When Jesus says that the prince of this world has nothing on him, you can know this, that the prince of this world has nothing on you. When you are feeling afraid of death, death has nothing on you. Because in Jesus, you will rise from the grave. And when you're feeling overwhelmed financially, it's got nothing on you. Because Jesus has taught you, the Holy Spirit reminds you and he focuses you on what Jesus has taught you. Jesus has taught you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest will be added to you as well. Financial stuff has nothing on you. And maybe you're feeling lonely and you're scared of being lonely. Loneliness has nothing on you because Jesus has given you relationship with God. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. All right, everyone, we are moving into the moments of tension and pressure here. We've been moving through the book of John chapter by chapter since Christmas. And now we find ourselves here, John chapter 14. We're picking up exactly where we left off last week. We are still in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. And and Jesus is teaching his disciples about what is going to happen. He's revealing more and more clearly to them, I am leaving. And I'm going somewhere where you cannot come with me. And John actually reveals to us here that Jesus' heart is so greatly troubled about this fact. He's troubled into his soul that he's going to be leaving his disciples. And so he gives us John chapter 14, which is a chapter that's just utterly filled with comfort here. It's comfort for us to know, like I told the kids in the kids' message today, that we are never alone even though we might not be able to see Jesus with our eyes. Jesus says, this is how you can know that you're never alone. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, the comfort, the advocate, the guide. That's what we'll see today. This comfort from Jesus to know that we are never alone. We'll read from John chapter 14, verses 23 through 31. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the father for the father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
This morning, I don't have too much for you in terms of an engaging sermon introduction or or a thought-provoking way to begin. What I do have is an awesome desire to speak to you today about the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm going to do. We're going to speak today about the work that the Holy Spirit does inside of us, in us, and for us. And I want to do it in this way. I've got three things that I want to show you that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. I'm going to give you three of these marks so that you can know that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. And these are the three. The first one is that the Holy Spirit's work is this. The Holy Spirit gives us God. He gives us God when he gives us faith. That's the first one. The second one is this. Having given us God, he gives us increasing peace all the days of our lives. So he gives us God. He increases our peace. And third and finally, he focuses us on Jesus. So those are the things we're going to speak about today. Those are the things that Jesus teaches us in John chapter 14 about the Holy Spirit, that he gives us God, that he increases our peace, and that he focuses us on Jesus. So we'll get into this first one here. The Holy Spirit gives us God. Now, you got to remember the context of when Jesus is speaking. This is Thursday night, the, the night before he is about to die. And like I was saying before, he is just trying to give comfort to his disciples for the moments when they are going to perceive that they are alone. He wants them to know that they are never alone. And so he says this. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. He says, the one who truly loves me by nature in that love will obey my teaching. And in that love that is demonstrated by obeyed obedience to my teaching, in that love, my father and I will make our home there. And, you know, at first glance, you might be thinking, okay, pastor, which is it? How am I saved? Am I saved by grace alone or am I saved by obeying Jesus' teaching? And the answer is is yes. And I want to walk us through why yes is the answer there. You see, the longer that I'm a pastor, the more I understand the way that Jesus speaks. And the more I understand why he deemed this to be the perfect time to remind his disciples to obey his teaching. It's because of this. It's because by nature, we will not do that. We will will proclaim in our hearts that we love God, but we won't follow his teaching. We just won't. No, we won't do that. We won't conform ourselves to God's law. What we are much more likely to do naturally by nature is we are much more likely to conform God to ourselves. You know, I see this so often in Christianity that that people go after a God 
because they know they want to fill the God-shaped hole in their heart. But what they want to do is they want to fill that God-shaped hole with a God who looks like them and thinks like them and acts like them and believes in the same things that they already believe in. And really, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not what Jesus says that we need to do, that anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You know, I call this God of popular Christianity, I call him the God of the Barnapole. I don't know if you've ever heard of that company before. It's called the Barna Company. They're, they're this massive research company that, that does spiritual polling about American spirituality. And if you go on their website at pretty much any given time and you skim through their latest research, you'll find that this is true, that most of American Christianity does not have the God of the Bible. And you can probably test that this is true in conversations with people. You know, you're talking to a fellow Christian and God, when they speak about him, Sounds a lot like popular culture. Or God, when someone talks about him, talks a lot like popular politics or popular science. Or God seems to be very, very supportive of the way that, that they wanted to live their life anywhere. And God believes in all the same things that they believe in. This is what we do by nature. We know we have a God-shaped hole in our heart. And so we find a God to believe in that agrees with everything that we already believe in. You know, instead of believing in a creator, we create a God. And instead of realizing that because of our sin, we need to be made relevant to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, we make God relevant to ourselves. And instead of doing what Jesus says here and obeying his commands and praising him by doing that, we think about all the ways that God can praise us. That's what it's about right now. By nature, this is what we do. You know, we can talk, I'll use this example here. If we profess to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind... But we go out and disobey his commands and we're okay with that. Then we never really loved God. It would be like if I were to get up in front of a group of people and profess to love my wife with all of my heart and soul and mind. And yet I go out and I break her heart and I'm okay with that. Nobody would come to my defense. Nobody would say that I love my wife. It's so dangerous. And so how, how can we obey God's teaching when by nature, this is what we cannot do? If by nature we cannot obey God's commands, then it has to be supernatural, right? It has to be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to create faith in us. See, that's his work. That's his work to give us God. He creates 
faith in us because it's only by faith that we are going to desire to follow the teachings of Jesus. And it is only by faith that we are going to want to never break his command ever again. And it's only by faith worked through the Holy Spirit that we are going to want to love God in that way. It's supernatural. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And why does he do this? It's so that he can give us God. See, he works faith in our hearts. And you can see how that follows. By faith, we follow the commands of Jesus. And Jesus has told us that when we follow his commands, he and his Father and the Holy Spirit make their home in our hearts. The Holy Spirit does that. That is his work. He gives us God. And he also gives us peace that increases into eternal life. See, when you know that God lives in your heart and that he loves you and that he cares about you, that gives you increasing peace. That's what this whole chapter is about. It's about peace for his disciples, for us. This is what Jesus says. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And I want to push into that last phrase here. That Jesus does not give you peace as the world gives. I think all of us know that on some level, that the peace that that we receive through the Holy Spirit is not the kind of peace the world gives. You know, 21st century wisdom has developed all kinds of techniques for getting peace in our lives. But I'll ask you, do they work? Do they work for the long haul? Do they work truly, spiritually, at a soul level? They don't. Now, all of our ways for mitigating stress and anxiety, they don't work on an eternal level. They can't. Peace, just, it, it just doesn't come that way. It doesn't come based on our circumstances. You know, we work and we work and we work. And really, our main goal in life is to achieve peace for ourselves. Achieve peace on earth where everything is okay and everything is right in the world. And I think that over the last two years, we have learned that that doesn't happen. Peace has never happened on earth and it never will in that way. But Jesus says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So how do we access that peace? Well, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I want to give you a hint And a tool that you can use for your Bible study all the way into the future. Because this happens all over the Bible. You can know this. That whenever a Bible character starts talking like like Yoda, 
like Jesus does right here. Whenever a Bible character talks a little bit like Yoda, you can know that whatever comes first in that sentence is important. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. You know, there's a fancy grammatical term that I can slap on this. It's called a prolepsis. It's when the main target and emphasis of a sentence gets pulled right up to the beginning of the sentence, even though it has no grammatical place being there. It's because Jesus wants this peace to explode across your mind and your heart. My peace, I give you peace. I leave with you. He wants to give you this peace. This peace that is so much bigger than your life, than your circumstances, that is bigger than the peace that the world says it can give you. It's a peace that is as big as God. That's the peace that Jesus has for you. It's peace that's based on relationship with God. See, because if God is your God, and he is, then you can know that everything is going to be okay. That's peace. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to help us with that. He has to help us Christians to to let go little by little of trying to get our own peace. The, the way I often talk about it is like this. The Holy Spirit works through God's word. And he works through worship. And he works through his sacraments. And what he does through the word is he pries our hands off of trying to achieve peace for ourselves. And he helps us to see that peace never came from ourselves to start with. He helps us to see that peace comes through Jesus alone. The Holy Spirit does that for us and in us. He gives us God. And having given us God, he gives us a peace that increases into eternal life. And the Holy Spirit focuses us on Jesus. This is the last thing I'm going to focus on here today. See, we need to talk about what it is that the Holy Spirit does and what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does. You know, I could stand up here probably for 30 minutes and tell you stories of what people have told me that the Holy Spirit has told them to do. You know, I've heard stories about people who who tell me that, that the Holy Spirit spoke to them at the grocery store and told them what to buy, and that food that they bought healed their gut. And I've heard stories of people who were driving along and the Holy Spirit told them where to turn to find their dream house. And I've heard people tell me that the Holy Spirit told them what line of work to go into. And I've heard stories of of how the Holy Spirit has healed people instantly. I could tell you stories like that for a long time. and And I don't mean that in a good way. 
So you've got two things to say about stories like that. The first thing I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is true God. He is one of the triune God. So he could do those things. It is well within his realm of power to do those things and to talk directly to people. But the Bible does not say that he does those things. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Bible says that he does. And I want to show you that it's so much more powerful than you think it is. See, Jesus tells us what the Holy Spirit does. Remember the context here? Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving and they can't follow. And he's saying that his father is going to send the Holy Spirit to do what? Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things. And then he qualifies very specifically. He says this is what it means that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things. He says he's going to remind you of everything I have already taught you. See, the work of the Holy Spirit, when it comes down to it, this is his work, not to talk immediately to you, not to, not to speak out into the world, but to focus you on Jesus' words. To focus you on what Jesus has already taught you and already done for you. That is his work, and it's so much more powerful than you probably realize. I want to show you how powerful it is to focus on what Jesus has already done. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's this awesome little phrase at the end of this text. It's the last verse of the whole chapter. Jesus says, come, let us go. And it's such a faith-filled little phrase there. Because Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that he is literally and figuratively stepping out into darkness. He knows that the prince of this world, the devil, is about to give him his worst. He's about to to crucify him and to pin the sins of the world onto his shoulders. And he says, come on, let's go. He's not afraid at all. And he says this about the prince of this world. He says, he has no hold over me. And I thought this was kind of cool, the way that that Jesus said this in the Greek language. Jesus here says, I'm going to give you a really tight translation of what Jesus said. He says, the prince of this world, he's got nothing on me. That's what Jesus said. He's heading to the cross. The devil probably thinks that he's about to win this battle forever. And Jesus said, come on, let's go. He's got nothing on me. Now, I want you to focus on these words of Jesus. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed that what is true for him is true for you. So when Jesus says that the prince of this world has nothing on him, you can know this. That the prince of this world has nothing on you. Now you can apply that to your life. When you 
are feeling afraid of death. Death has nothing on you. Because in Jesus, you will rise from the grave. And when you're feeling overwhelmed financially, it's got nothing on you. Because Jesus has taught you, the Holy Spirit reminds you, and he focuses you on what Jesus has taught you. Jesus has taught you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the rest will be added to you as well. Financial stuff has nothing on you. And maybe you're feeling lonely, and you're scared of being lonely. Loneliness has nothing on you, because Jesus has given you relationship with God. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Now, I don't know the specifics of what's going on in each one of your lives, but I know that because of sin, each one of our lives is a mess. But I know that God is still going to make it turn out okay. And that's what the Holy Spirit works for you to believe. That's his work. He works for you to believe that those things are true. He works to give you God. He works to increase your peace. He works to focus you on these things that that Jesus has told you are true. Jesus, just in these few verses here, teaches us about the Holy Spirit, that he is our comfort, that he is our advocate, that he is our counselor. He is the helper in your heart. So that God may make his home in your heart. So that you may experience a peace that increases every single day that you live. So that you may see Jesus more and more clearly every single day. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we praise you. We praise you for your wonderful word and for your powerful action in our hearts. You've given us a new life of faith, a new hope of peace with God, and a new focus on Jesus saving us. We ask that you pour yourself out in power over us. Amen.